Hi, this is Sensei James Leonelli from Sensei's Weekly Mindset, and I'm here to talk to you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. Don't forget my personal favorite, MMA. We've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, we can help you find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget Bet Online for NHL, boxing, golf, and like I said, my personal favorite, the sport of MMA. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sensei's Weekly Mindset. I'm Sensei James Leonelli, owner and head instructor of Tiger Shulman's here in Smithtown. Once again, I am back in my home recording space as per usual to give you guys this week's mindset and food for thought. I am not joined this week by my furry co-host Slade because he's a little mad at me right now. Uh, he's got a little hot spot on his tail, so we have him out, outfitted with what we refer to as the sock of shame, just a tube sock up his tail, held on with a, with a little ponytail holder from Mrs. Sensei and... I had to put that on earlier today, and he is not my biggest fan right now. <laughs> but nonetheless, he's slacking on his co-host duties, but that's not going to stop me from giving you guys this week's food for thought. So as usual, as usual, I get inspired by the world around me about the things that I want to talk to you guys about. Of course, I'm wearing my Thai gear best. Make sure you visit them, tiegear.com. But nonetheless, uh, in terms of, of what it is that drew me to today's thought, very simple idea. And it was, uh, and I, I go through social media, and when I do, my feed is just a couple of things. It's some Tiger Shulman's related stuff. It's like fights related stuff. Then there's like fitness stuff, you know, whether it be like cool workouts or uh, I'll, I'll check out this fitness transformation, uh, jujitsu highlights, tons of that kind of stuff. Like, hey, here's a, a cool move or a, a break technical breakdown of this finish in this high level jujitsu match. Uh, and then motivation is probably the biggest category of things in my social media feed and some of it i'm sure is like business or i know i should say is business related stuff others is martial arts related stuff some of it's fight related stuff but it's all on the same kind of theme and a reel crossed my, my feed the other day and it really spoke to me which is why i'm doing a podcast about it unfortunately the speaker in the reel was not credited so i can't give him credit i i apologize if this is your story that you're hearing and I'm not giving credit. I just simply didn't find a video with you credited in it. So I digress onto the thought process. So the video, a pretty simple idea. It was one gentleman who was the main speaker and he was speaking to two other people, a man and a woman. And he said to them, you know, what if I gave you each a million dollars? And they both their faces lit up and he goes, how would you feel? And they each described their feelings of elation and being on cloud nine and this and that and the other about their feelings about getting a million dollars. Yeah, pretty exciting thought, right? And he goes on during that, that, that same vein a little bit further. And then he says, okay, now let's take that idea of a million dollars and let's make it $10 million. How do you feel now? And again, even more over the top adulation and thoughts and all this other crazy stuff about how, how awesome it would feel and how happy they would be. And he goes, okay, so now you got $10 million. But the condition is 
you don't wake up tomorrow. And they're both taken back. Oh, no, I can't take that deal. No way. I would never take that deal. Blah, 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 blah. And his thought process that he then gives the person is, he goes, so we've just established that waking up in the morning is more valuable than $10 million. Why do we not treat each day like it's worth more than $10 million? Which, of course, is excellent food for thought and a great mindset and way to think about things for sure. However, I think this, this same thought process expands beyond just that idea. Because I, I very often look at the human condition and the value that we place on things. And, you know, whether it be societally or whether it be, you know, interpersonally or even as human beings, the different values we place on different things. And I want to touch on a few of those different ideas because some of the things we look at that have a high monetary value, and we're really accept, obsessed with the idea of that thing that has the high monetary value, but at the end of the day, doesn't really do much for us. And then on the other end of the spectrum is other things that maybe not be, may not be as monetarily expensive, but are very, very uh, psychologically, they, they have a lot of value to us, right? Their they're, uh, they're, uh, inherent value to the person who has them is worth much, much more. So give you guys an example. One of the things that Mrs. Sensei teases me about quite frequently is that uh, one of my opinions on my own fitness is based entirely around my abs. Like I am a very happy camper when my abs are looking really, really good. Like as we're getting to this point in the 90 day challenge and I'm seeing them all and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm as lean as can be. And it's something I really pride myself on is that they're really, I try to make sure they're always visible, but it's something I always tie my fitness level back to. And to me, I always think I look and feel strong when my abs look good, which may be a vain thing to say. And it may sound arrogant and all of that. And I, I don't intend it that way because what it, where I draw this value from goes back to me as a person. When I was a kid, I was skinny as a rail, like always super, super, super skinny. And I wasn't skinny like lean. I was skinny like flat, like you didn't see any muscle anywhere on my entire body. That's just who I was when I was a kid. And I remember being involved in youth athletics as a kid. I was never strong. I was never the best player on the team. If I played baseball or if I played soccer or any of the other sports that I got involved in until martial arts, I was always on the lower, I, not even just lower half, often the lower quarter or third, the third or quarter, I should say, of the team. Like I was not physically coordinated. I wasn't strong. The only thing I had going for me was I was fast, but I wasn't the fastest. I was just faster than average. So when it came to things like baseball, you know, sure, I was fast to get to the ball. I could get to the ball really fast, but was I going to catch it? Who knows, right? When I tried to throw it back in, I could run really fast to get a good wind up in my throat. Was it going to get to who I wanted it to or get all the distance there? Well, your guess was as good as mine. In soccer, I could run up to the ball really fast. Uh, was I going to be aggressive or confident enough to maybe take it? I don't know. Was I going to be able to pass the ball to the, my teammate like I wanted it to? Or that, That's actually why I played defense well in soccer when I played, because it didn't really matter who I kicked it to. But my coach, a, a certain year, I forget what year, looked at me and he goes, listen, I want you to stop worrying about who you're giving the ball to. If that ball comes to you and you're on defense, just kick it as hard as you can. Oh, okay, that I can do. <laughs> and that was about as good as I, as I could get. And often even I would wind up kicking it out of bounds because I couldn't kick it straight enough to keep it on the field. So to me, when I found martial arts and I was a young boy, 13, 14 years old, 
I remember looking in the mirror and for the first time seeing any real muscle tone at all. And that muscle tone that I saw was my abs. So since that age, I've always, the value that my abs have to me, what gives them value is what they mean to me. And they mean that to me because of who I am and where I came from. Make sense? Like if you think about that, if you illustrate that idea, then it shows you why certain things are much more valuable than others, right? Like, for example, this week on the 15th, Wednesday, uh, is going to the day you're listening to this, as a matter of fact, is going to be my instructor's birthday, my sensei, who was my sensei since I'm 14 years old. Uh, it's his birthday, which is awesome. Anyway, he'd be, he'd be 52. Uh, I'm sorry, 51, excuse me, 51. Uh, but he would be because he did pass away a few years ago. And I have in my closet, in my office, and I wear it every year on his birthday. Um, I have an old gi top, a traditional martial arts kimono top that he gave to me. And we haven't worn those in I couldn't tell you how long. Like it's been a really, really long time since we've worn the kimonos. But every year on my sensei's birthday, I wear it because of what it means to me. Every year, he, uh, well, rather I should say, as I was leaving his school for the final time, he kind of folded it up and handed it to me. He goes, listen, you're not a sensei yet. I was a Joshua at the time. And he goes, I want you to hang this up in, the cl in your closet. And every day, as you're changing to teach your students, I want you to look at it. And I want you to think to yourself that you're going to train that day and eat that day and teach that day and run your business the way, every single way, do everything the way that is necessary to get you one step closer to being able to wear this guitar. And I took that lesson to heart, obviously. It really meant a lot to me. And by the time I was promoted to sensei, my sensei had passed away. And obviously that was a, a real rough loss for me because that's, that was my mentor from the time I was a child. Um, and like I said, by then we had the kimono tops, the gi tops were long since out of vogue. Yet I still went back the day I got promoted and that entire week I wore that gi top. And now every single year on his birthday, I, I bring it out again and I wear it, even though, like I said, we don't wear that stuff anymore because of what it means to me and because of, to me, what it represents. Uh, it represents to me the fact that dreams come true from the time I was 13 years old, from the time I, I've been training maybe a month when I looked at my sensei and I said, yeah, I, I want to be like him. I want to be a sensei one day. That's what I want to do. And then to follow that path all those years later until eventually becoming a sensei myself, it, to me, what that guitar represents, what gives it its value is that it represents to me the fact that dreams come true. I mean, it, it's in terms of, of price tag, Thai Gear was uh, getting rid of their last guitars a couple of years ago and they were selling them off for 20 bucks. So really inherently dollar value, what value does it have? 20 bucks. But what it means to me is so much greater than the dollar value. Yet we look at certain other things and we give them value that they're not due. I'll give you an a, a example related to this idea. Uh, my nephew, not the one who was here with me during the summer, but his older brother, he just turned 18 in February. I doubt he's listening, but if he is, Nicholas, happy birthday again, even though you did text me back when I said it. Anyway, as I was saying, he's 18 years old now. I remember when he was about 
13, 14 years old. There was nothing in the world that mattered more to Nicholas than looking cool. Didn't actually have to be cool. Didn't have to feel tough. Didn't have to feel strong because I'm not sure that he did feel tough or strong. But having the coolest hat, right, with with the, the brim just the right way, having the cool necklace, wearing the cool outfit, having the newest cell phone, right, that was worth more to him than anything else. There was nothing worth more to him than that. And I remember we, we were out in, in, uh, in Colorado to see him for his birthday. And it actually was his birthday. And we had planned this whole big trip with his mom and with his brothers. And we were going to this cool little theme park. And not really theme park, but like this little, I can't really describe it well. But it was an awesome little youth activity place. They had bowling, mini golf, go-karts, uh, an aerial course. They had all this awesome stuff, video games. That like, if you were a 13, 14 year old boy, this is your dream place. And he'd been there before, of course, but he'd never been there with his younger brother and younger sister. He had never been there with us because we had never been there. And we had planned this whole big trip with everybody. We were all going to go and we were going to spend the day there. And it was our last full day of our trip there. And we planned it all about that. And then he wound up getting to to the house with us. And before we would go anywhere, he insisted that his mother called the cell phone provider and said, you know, I want the new Samsung, whatever it is. She goes, you just got that phone that you have like six, eight months ago. Yeah, but the new one's out. I want the new one. But no, we'll just call and see if I'm eligible for an upgrade. Nicholas, I can call, but I'm telling you, it's going to cost more. And we're not doing that if it costs more. Fine, fine, fine. Just see if I'm eligible for an upgrade. So his mother gets on the phone and she's on the hold for a while. Uh, to see if he's eligible for an upgrade. And sure enough, he's not eligible for an upgrade. And if he wants it, it's going to be an extra $50 a month for however long it was going to be. And he's like, okay, just do it. So Nicholas, I told you, if it costs more, we're not doing it. Well, I'll, I'll pay the $50 a month. How, Nicholas? You don't have a job. I'll, I'll do work around here for grandma, he says. And his grandmother goes, Nicholas, I can't guarantee that I'm going to have $50 worth of work for you every single month. Not going to happen. No. So... Then, dejected, birthday ruined, storms out of the house, walks to the nearest park, won't pick up his phone, won't answer his text messages. Uh, we go down after him. He keeps walking. Away. Finally, he calls his father to come pick him up after this whole big to-do. And like we didn't hear from him for the rest of the day to the point where we called him. We left him a message, both of us, myself and Mrs. Sensei, about how disappointed we were in his judgment for that day. Uh, and that he ruined the last real day we had with him on the trip just by, for lack of a better word, being a brat. And he's still a little bit that way in terms of vanity. I don't think that leaves. I don't think that leaves you as a as a kid. I don't think that that leaves you too too early in in your development. I mean, like I said, he's only eighteen. But nonetheless, just a great example of, of our human vanity, and we all have it. It's funny. Like there there are some people who, for them, it's their car. It's their clothes, it's their watch, it's things like that. And I talked last week about that friend that we all have, that we know that, man, this friend's always got to have the coolest car and the coolest watch and the best clothes. And meanwhile, they rent the basement apartment at somebody's house for like, you know, $400 a month or something like that. And it's like, it's decrepit and everything like that. Because they put such value on looking successful over being successful. And one of the things that we treat with the least value 
as human beings is our health and wellness, right? We tend to put that on a back burner very early in our development. It's just something that we do. It's funny. I, I talked about this in recent episodes and I want to revisit this idea, right? When you have new parents, and I mean like, you know, not new as, as though uh, just the first time, I mean like ones who have an infant, right? Days old, weeks old, months old. And they're spending so much time taking care of that infant. Of course, sleep schedules are, are messed up. Of course, word schedules are messed up. Of course, household things are, of course, messed up. Of course. But the one thing that tends to happen is people tend to move into the, from, they move to take, they move from self care to caring for that baby 100%. And not that you can't care for that baby 100%. You have to, of course, 100%. Not taking anything away from that. But by foregoing taking care of ourselves to better take care of the infant, what happens is so many other things suffer, right? For example, I'll, I'll, let's keep it most basic example. And this is a sacrifice a parent has to make. They don't have a choice in this matter. Sleep, right? We know there's a certain amount of sleep that we need for our recovery every single day between six and eight hours, we know we need that, or we're not going to, as adults, recover from our days properly. We're gonna be slow mentally the next couple of days. Our brain isn't gonna cooperate with everything else. We'll be sluggish, our body won't feel good. We know that if our sleep is messed up, that we're not gonna perform at our highest level. So what's one of the first things that goes when you're a brand new parent? Solid sleep schedule, it just happens, it just is. There's nothing you can do about that. But, what what do those parents notice? Exactly everything I talked about. They don't recover from their days as well. They get a little delirious. Their brain's a little foggy for the next few days. Of course, how could it not be, right? Now, take this same idea of what a parent is forced to forego in their beginning and think about the choice that many parents continue even as their children age, where they put their children's well-being 100% on the front burner, which it should be, but they don't even put their own wellness on the back burner. They take it off the stove completely. They forget how important taking care of themselves is. And the thing is, if you forget to take care of yourself and you take all this time and you start thinking about only taking care of your kid, not only are you setting a terrible example for your child, but I don't know about you guys, I would trade some of the time, maybe the, you know, the, 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 you know, an hour here, an hour there, I would have traded two hours a week uh, with each of my parents that love time they spent with me for them to go exercise and, and eat properly and take care of themselves. I would trade that if it meant I was going to get 10 more years with them. A hundred percent. That's not even a choice. Like there, there's not even a question mark there, but yet as human beings, we take our own health and wellness and we do that with it so often. We don't treat it with the value that it truly has. Because does exercise and nutrition, does it guarantee that you're going to live longer? No, of course not. Because there's certain things in life that we can never guarantee. We can't, I mean, there are people that, that have horrible medical conditions that are just born that way. They get them in their early 20s, in their teens as children. And I mean, that's just life, unfortunately, but it gives us a far better chance. That's the thing. It gives us a real far better chance. If you are someone who exercises regularly, who eats properly, not only statistically, do you have a much better chance 
of living a longer life. You have a chance of living a longer, healthier life at a higher physical capacity. We've all seen senior citizens, grandparents, even great grandparents, who we watch them and physically, they were in their 70s, 80s, but they were together. Like my grandfather, until the day he passed away, I don't remember ever looking at him and feeling like he physically slowed down. He still did his gardening. He still did work around his house. He still, till the time, until his heart eventually got the better of him. Now he worked a very, he wasn't a guy who was in the gym two, three times a week, but he worked a very physically demanding job as a, as a railroad worker. So he was always in good shape and it's something that he maintained even as an, as an adult and as an older adult. So it gave us more years, more vital years with him, not more years where he was, for lack of a better word, just existing, right? Like he was living those last years of his life. And that's the thing that we have to remember. And to kind of cap off this thought as I'm coming to a close here today, it's an expression that I heard from one of the other senseis uh, many years ago. He goes, people will sacrifice their health now in order to build their wealth. And then later on, they are forced to sacrifice their wealth in order to try to regain their health. Which to me, it encapsulates the whole idea. The very simple thought that we, as human beings, we have to make sure that our health is on our priority list, that we're leading the healthiest lives we can, that we're exercising, that we're eating properly, we're doing all the things that have the truest value. Because again, if you were going to get that $10 million tomorrow, but it was going to cost you your health and wellness, you would never take it. Because $10 million sitting in a bank while you're sitting in a hospital bed doesn't do you any good. So if you would make that trade and you would take the, the health over to $10 million, start treating your health and wellness like it's worth $10 million because it's worth way more than that. Like I said, your kids would trade forever of your health and wellness for more time with you. That is all I have for you guys this week. As always, you can reach me via email, senseileonelli at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sensei underscore Leonelli. On Facebook, I'm Sensei James Leonelli. Those are the best places to contact me for the sponsorship available opportunities that are available for the podcast. You can find my school online at tsksmithtown.com. You can find out more about the Tiger Shulman's organization as a whole at tsk.com. You can find my school on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tiger Shulman Smithtown. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at TSMMA underscore Smithtown. You can find everywhere I am on the internet, including but not limited to uh, the Swing for the Stars event. This Sunday, by the way. This Saturday, excuse me. March 18th. Be there if you can't watch the live stream. So Swing for the Stars you can find on my link tree. You can find Flex Fights. You can find everything Tiger Shulman's related all on my link tree. Link tr.ee slash Sensei Leonelli. Uh, as always, my friends, please make sure that you guys leave a rate and a review. It just helps. Subscribe. Get your new episodes every Wednesday. Don't miss a one. And of course, the most important thing you can do, share the podcast for me. The more that you share the podcast, the more listeners there are, the, the happier I am because I love seeing those numbers go up. Who doesn't like talking to more people if you're going to do something like this nonetheless? So that's it. As always, my friends, until next week, invest in yourselves. I'll see you guys on the mat.